This is Howard Anderson, Managing Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today we're talking with Dixie Baker, Senior Vice President and Chief Technology Officer for Health and Life Sciences at Science Applications International Corp. She serves on several federal advisory bodies, including the Privacy and Security Tiger Team. Thanks for joining us again, Dixie. You're welcome. Several federal rules and regulations regarding healthcare privacy and security issues mandated by the High Tech Act are still in the works. What proposed rules should security professionals be on the lookout for in the coming weeks and months? The High Tech Act contained quite a few provisions in the areas of security and privacy for electronic health information. First of all, it broadened the scope of the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, or HIPAA, security and privacy rules to include business associates, which are people and companies who, under contract with covered entities, perform services that involve protected health information. Before high tech, business associates were accountable only to the terms of their contracts with the covered entities, and now business associates are directly responsible for complying with HIPAA just the same as the covered entities uh, with oversight from the Department of Health and Human Services. Uh, this provision took effect in February this year and, and is, a, is a huge change. Second, HITECH provided transparency for breach victims, so every individual whose health information may have been disclosed as a result of a security breach from an unprotected system that's operated by either a, a covered entity or a business associate must be notified of that breach. And if more than 500 individuals are affected, the Secretary of Health and Human Services must be advised and the media must be notified as well. And the high tech contains similar requirements for personal health record or PHR vendors. The breach uh, notification interim final rule was published in August of last year and became effective in September, and a similar rule was passed by, for PHRs was, was published by the Federal Trade Commission. The HITECH also introduced a new, more stringent penalty structure, which became effective the day after the law was enacted last year, and new regulations regarding enforcement and penalties went into effect in November. But perhaps the most dramatic changes in privacy protection were contained in Section 13405 of the Act. That section prohibits the sale of health information. It allows a patient to restrict the sharing of health information related to treatment uh, for which the patient paid in cash. It gives consumers the right to obtain an electronic copy of their health record. It requires guidance on what constitutes minimum necessary, and it requires that covered entities keep an accounting of all disclosures made through an EHR, even those disclosures made for treatment, payment, and healthcare operations. Now, as you'll recall, Howard, the HIPAA privacy rule allows covered entities to disclose health information for treatment, payment, and healthcare operations without a patient's written consent. And while the disclosures still don't require written consent, covered entities are required to document each of these disclosures and the accounting must be made available for the consumer. In July of this year, HHS published a Notice of Proposed Rulemaking, or NPRM, that proposed revisions to the HIPAA privacy and security rules to incorporate most of these new high-tech provisions and they called for comments in, by about mid-September. 
that our NPRM asked for inputs regarding what kind of guidance is needed on what constitutes minimum necessary, but regulations for maintaining and providing an accounting of disclosures was not included in the NPRM. Instead, in May of this year, the Health and Human Services released a request for information that, that sought input on the, on the interests of individuals in learning about disclosures and the administrative burden that might be associated with this requirement. The, both of the, these two areas were called for in the, in the High Tech Act itself. The response to this RFI was overwhelming and the Office of Civil Rights is still sorting through the issues. Most, much of the feedback that I've read um, reflects a misunderstanding of or, or perhaps uh, ambiguities around the definition of what a disclosure is. Uh, a disclosure is defined as the release, transfer, provision of access to, or divulging of information outside the entity holding the information but many of the comments related to the difficulty and or the usefulness of recording the reason for each access that any user within an organization makes. Unfortunately, the line between inside and outside is not always clear. For example, physicians working in a hospital may be business associates of that hospital and not employees. Um, so it's, it's, it's a complex issue, and I'm sure that the uh, Office of Civil Rights is uh, faced with some major challenges in writing that regulation. They haven't published a date for publication of the, of the NPRM at this point. However, I, I would observe that, at least in my opinion, the regulations that have been published so far have been quite reasonable and consistent with the overall objective of raising the bar without crippling the system. So I, I expect this regulation to hold to that principle as well. Yes, the year draws to a close. What would you say are the top five trends in healthcare information privacy and security for 2011? What are the hot topics out there? My top five trends would be Number one is, is uh, obvious, I guess, is the increased adoption of certified EHRs, and a great, along with that, a greater need for guidance on how to configure and use the security features that are incorporated into those EHRs to support HIPAA compliance. Secondly would be privacy and security policy and governance to address emerging new business models, like the uh, Reform Act uh, introduces accountable care organizations. How will those, you know, how do those fit into the scheme of things? Health information exchanges, the insurance exchanges, personal health records, and in virtualization or cloud computing as well. Third is what we're seeing that really drove a lot of what is in the High Tech Act is increased transparency and involvement of consumers, including more choices, and along with those choices, a greater need for effective, consumer-friendly communications and information. Fourth is I would see the emergence of a health Internet that provides security, privacy, transparency, and choice around the exchange of health information, both among healthcare entities and between healthcare and consumers. 
And then fifth, and this may be wishful thinking on my part, is I'd like to see a shift in perspective about security protections from viewing security as a compliance issue to realizing its role as an essential enabler for safe, reliable health care and trust in the health care system. Very good. Uh, when you talk about a health Internet, are you thinking along the lines of the nationwide health information network standards that are in the talking stage now or something else? Something else. <laughs> the nationwide health information network standards really are geared more for exchanges between healthcare entities and specifically large healthcare entities, both federal government entities and private entities, but primarily large. This past year, the, op- the Office of the National Coordinator also launched another, a second initiative called NHIN Direct, um, which was really geared toward exchanges between small providers, direct, you know, provider-to-provider exchanges. And I, I think the health Internet will encompass both of those, but uh, in addition, I think it will also encompass exchanges and interactions with consumers as well. Okay, so in light of all that, what advice would you give to healthcare CIOs and chief information security officers as they set their security spending priorities for next year and beyond? Uh, what investments and strategies are most important for protecting sensitive patient information? Well, first, I would say to every CIO, if you haven't already done so, you should start performing an objective risk assessment and risk mitigation planning on an annual basis and whenever a major change uh, is made in your IT infrastructure. HIPAA calls for a risk assessment, but it doesn't say how often it should be done, um, and it really should be done at least annually. Then I would, I would recommend to implement security protections to mitigate your worst nightmares. Don't just blindly check the HIPAA compliance boxes. As you set the, the risk mitigation strategy, assume that authorized people will make mistakes and will use systems in a way you would never dream that they would. Networks will crash. Assume that software applications will behave in ways that are not described in the documentation and that people you trust will not always come through for you. Then design your IT processes and systems with multiple layers of protection so that when human and technology mishaps do occur, your critical information, service assets, and people will be protected. As for the IT budgets, I'm sure that many, if not most, CIOs will be implementing certified EHRs or preparing their existing EHRs for certification to qualify them for the potential meaningful use reimbursement. Then, fully demonstrating meaningful use will necessitate the implementation of secure transport for exchanges between provider organizations, exchanges with public health, and exchanges for reporting the quality measures to the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, as well as exchanges with consumers. Certified EHRs will include the basic services for endpoint authentication, encryption, and and integrity protection of the data to be exchanged, but these services will need to be configured and used appropriately. Also, those providers who opt for a software-as-a-service solution for their EHR should get secure transport as part of their solution. 
And speaking of software as a service, I would also encourage CIOs to consider virtualization, also known as cloud computing, as a potential risk mitigation approach as well as a potential cost saver. Software as a service solutions would will enable you to keep identifiable health information and critical applications on a well-protected and backed-up server rather than on desktops. And infrastructure as a service can help assure that your applications will have the resources they need when they when they need them. Of course, as most people realize, virtualization and cloud computing do introduce some new security risks that will need to be addressed, just as any IT uh, solution uh, needs to attend to security. So due diligence in selecting the service provider as well as attention to addressing local, local administrative, physical, and technical protections will be key to making these solutions work for you. Well, thanks, Dixie. We've been talking today with Dixie Baker of SAIC. This is Howard Anderson. Thanks so much for listening.